This is the Doctor Mama podcast with your host, Doctor Alice Coughlin. Hello, and welcome back to the Doctor Mama podcast. We're at episode seven already. Isn't that exciting? Um, and the date this is coming out is the wonderful Thursday, the fourteenth of January, twenty. 21. I nearly said 2020 there. It all sort of just merged <laughs> into one, isn't it, really? Yeah, I wrote um, 2019 the other day when I was really? like trying to write some patient. I can't even remember what I was writing out. I think I was writing out my labs for the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, well, it's been it's been quite the week for the world, but it's been quite a fun week in this household in some ways as well. Uh, first off is you got your second dose of the vaccine, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. So you are a superhuman now, right? I am fully vaccinated. Not entirely sure what that means. I will continue to wear my N95 at all times at work. <laughs> um, and avoid going anywhere outside the house, except when required to for work. And it, it was true that like you did you did feel a bit sick for like a day. but I was fine. I yeah. had a very sore arm. I had friends who had had fevers and body aches and whatnot. I was very lucky. I had a pretty sore arm for a couple of days, but that was about it. That's pretty decent. So would you yeah. recommend it? Obviously. <laughs> what a silly question. Um, do you like pandemics or no? Um, personally, I don't love when everybody around me is dying. Yeah, that's the fair point. Um, on a completely different note, though, another another point I really enjoyed this week was um, so we're really lucky. Both our kids uh, have been for probably about six months now, been incredible at sleeping at nighttime. Yeah, like really amazing. We have lucked out. I don't know how we've managed it, but they're making up for like the first two years. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was uh, one moment our um, our eldest Olivia decided that she obviously wasn't sleepy enough um and so was obviously awake and just kept she, well she's developed the art of sneakiness because she can now walk really quietly around the house and so there was a one, uh, the other night uh, she would just kept uh, creeping into our room and we kept waking up with with uh, olivia just stood next to us in the bed staring at us <laughs> And it was really, really freaky. It was just really disconcerting because she did used to get out of bed a lot. Um, I don't know. I want to say like six months ago when when they first moved to that room because they share a bedroom. Um, she got out of bed all the time and it would take like five or six times before she would stay in her bed for the rest of the night. But she hasn't done that in so long. So I, like, forgot that, like, of course she's capable of getting out of her bed and opening the door. <laughs> coming she's down four the hall. and a half. <laughs> yeah. And I just was, like, so disconcerted. I woke up and I looked. And I was like, there's somebody standing over me. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> and it takes a while to sort of come around to know what's going on. Yes. <laughs> so if you, if you have any tales of uh, creepy children at the end of your beds, do let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that's quite enough of all that chat. Uh, who have we got coming up on the podcast today this week, my love? We have one of my wonderful attendings again on the podcast, but this time in a different field. So we have Dr. Nicole Gendron, Gendron, sorry about that. And um, she's a pediatric hospitalist um, employed at Tufts University and working mostly at Lawrence General, where I am lucky enough to be a resident. 
Um, she did her medical school at Georgetown and was a couple classes ahead of me in, no, I lied. Yes. Medical school at Georgetown and residency at Tufts and, um, then did a chief year at Tufts and then came to work at Lawrence General where we are so lucky to have her as one of our hospitalists. And, uh, this time... Last week, on last week's episode, as we went into this section of saying, okay, see you at the other side of the podcast, hope you enjoy, um, there was an editing error in which it involved, you could hear what my catchphrase is, um, not on this podcast, but before the interviews, which is... Pardon? Awkward silence. Oh. <laughs> um, and yeah. apparently I left that in. So it's in the podcast. You can hear the music start up and uh, hear me going, awkward silence. So now you all know Alex's editing trick, which is before before anybody starts recording anything, he demands awkward silence from the entire group. <laughs> so now hopefully you know. I will try and keep that, uh, that edit out this time. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this interview with the lovely Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we want to start by just giving you a chance in your own words to tell your journey and your story of how you became a Dr. Mama. All right. Um, Well, I had my son when I was a pediatric resident. Um, It was in my third year of residency, so my final year. Um, And I pretty much, I finished all my rotations at the beginning of my third year. Like in pediatrics, we have a few that are required that are like very strenuous, like PICU um, and another hard ER rotation. So I made sure to front load my schedule. And then he was born in January. Um, I actually worked, I was the senior resident on the floor, like a busy PD ward. And I worked that night and then had him the next morning. So I was up for like 48 hours. Um, And then I got, um, I got six weeks of maternity leave, but I, my program was really flexible and I, I mostly had eight weeks of maternity leave um, by doing like a research elective from home, um, which was nice and flexible. So I got eight weeks and then I went back to work um, after that. And then I finished my, I graduated from residency that year um so that was kind of how I had him okay um did you always know that you wanted to be a mom yeah definitely I'm one of five kids um so I grew up with a lot of siblings in the house um my mom didn't work my mom was a stay-at-home mom um so she was very present and like we were busy and active kids but my mom was always around So I knew I always wanted to be a mom, but I also knew I always wanted to have a career that I could be around as well. Um, So I definitely think that was part of like um, why pediatrics was appealing to me is because I was able to work and have a flexible schedule um, and not be, I mean, I do have crazy hours, but then I have many days off. So it's not like I'm working every single day at 5 a.m. till 6 p.m. or something. But when you first had your son, you were a resident. So I expect your schedule was less flexible. How was the transition between resident and chief resident and attending? Yeah, definitely. Um, my 
I mean, I had in my third year of residency, so I, it was less flexible, but in, but third year I had a lot of elective time. So when I came back, I did have, um, I worked a lot of weekends. I worked every day, but at least I was not on crazy rotations. Um, but I still had like 24 hour calls and things like that. Um, and then chief, I was a chief resident. Um, so for his first like year, year and a half, and that was definitely more flexible, um, in more of a normal schedule. Like I wasn't really working nights. I was mostly working just like Monday to Friday. Um, and then now as an attending, I, it was another transition, um, cause I have random days off. I'm a hospitalist. So I have random days off, but then I also work nights and weekends. So we, I just work it out with my husband's schedule. Um, my son is now two and a half and he's in daycare. So, um, we kind of make it work. And then for this, I'm pregnant now. So for my next one, um, I definitely have more maternity leave than I did the first time around. And, um, we're still going to figure out what we're going to do for childcare, but I think I am more flexible definitely as an attending. I was going to say, could you, uh, tell us a little bit more about that sort of like stark difference of going through pregnancy in residency as opposed to, uh, being an attending, um, like what is the support different? What was your experiences with the schedule? How did you look after yourself in both situations? Yeah, I think, I mean, my program was great for residency. My program was great the whole time. Um, so I think I was lucky that way, but it's definitely different. I mean, I have more time now where I can go to OB appointments. Um, but the other side of it is that because I'm an attending, it's more responsibility on me. So like if I, I had the thought the other day when I was working that like, if I did go into labor, it's all on me. Like if I'm at work and I go into labor, who do I call? Like when I was a resident and I go into labor, there's plenty of other residents we can call in from home to cover my shift. Whereas an attending, yes, there's other attendings, but it's not, there's not that many of us. Um, so yes, this pregnancy, I was more flexible and it was easier to make OB appointments and things like that. I kind of worked on my schedule but it was a little more stressful thinking like, ah, if something does go wrong, it's all on me. Did you have a lot of like symptoms or complications during your pregnancy that you had no. to work around your schedule? No, neither one. I had complications. So I was lucky in that sense. I think, um, I mean, I think the field that we're in like family medicine, pediatrics, medicine, OB, like any of those, I do think that it's lucky that people, since we're doctors for patients in similar situations, we do have, we know what it's like. And so um, people are very thoughtful and respectful because of everything with COVID. It was a little bit complicated. I guess that was one thing. So um, my OB was recommending that I go out or stop clinical shifts at 37 weeks. And I still had a few shifts past 37 weeks. Um, Cause with my first, I worked up until I delivered. Um, but just with COVID to limit exposures, OB, my OB was really suggesting I don't do that. So I did have to email and talk to my group and try to switch around some of my clinic schedules, but people were so like super flexible. Um, and like, no problem picked up. I had like one more shift. Um, so someone picked it up for me. So I think it's, we're lucky that we work in like a field where people are nice and understanding and like eager to help each other out. 
was your decision to go into hospitalist pediatrics rather than outpatient primary care pediatrics partially based around your desire to be home with your son? I think that probably played into it, but I also just like inpatient medicine better. Um, so I think it was like a, I mean, some people I think probably like the schedule of outpatient better. It just depends who you talk to. I like inpatient medicine. Um, so I think the schedule, like working a, a night shift for me and then having a post-call day is like totally fine. Um, whereas I think if you talk to some other people, they would hate to work a night shift. So it's, I think it's like either way, but for me, it works out because I get a post-call day and either I'm home with my son or I kind of have a day to like clean the house and do something else. Nice. Um, did you always know you wanted to be a doctor? Um, yes, actually I, my mom says that I always said I want to be a doctor. So I don't really, I remember from a young age thinking I was going to be a doctor. I didn't know I was going to do a pediatrics at a young age. Um, I always liked kids, but I always wanted to be a doctor. I never really went through a phase where I was like going to be anything else. Yeah. Did, when did you like seriously decide like, okay, I'm going to do pre-medicine like requisites and like actually like take an MCAT and all of that jazz? Um, in college, but I did take year, I took two years off in between college and medical school, but I still, I was pre-med in college. I just hadn't taken the MCAT yet. Um, so I did all like prerequisites. I just, I hadn't applied and then I worked, um, for two years in between. And then I went to medical school. Okay. And when you were in college and you were kind of really starting to like plan out and envision your future life as a doctor, did you ever think about how being a mom would factor into that? Not really. I think when I was like, before you go into medical school, everyone says like, it's a long road and I don't think you really realize it. Um, and you don't realize like how it's going to affect other things in your life. Um, so I, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I always knew I wanted to be a mom, but I didn't really think like how it would play out until probably residency, honestly. Um, even as in a med school, I feel like you don't know how hard it's going to be or what it truly is like, um, until you have your like intern schedule or your resident schedule. But you do get a reasonable idea of kind of how horrible the the medical system is for live livelihood. <laughs> so right, just for like a real life. Right. Um, so you said you said you want you knew you'd wanted a kid for a long time. Did did when you first started getting insights into what life as a doctor would be like? Did that really start to make you think twice or how? How did that impact your decision when to have kids or, you know? I think, yeah, I think, um, so I got married right after medical school. Um, and then I think I always knew just because I knew it was going to be hard, like I wasn't going to have a kid in intern year. Um, just knowing myself, I was probably not going to be able to do that. And then like after intern year, I kind of just picked, I knew that third year, if you're going to have a kid in residency in our program, um, third year would be like the perfect time. So I definitely like planned having a child around my resident schedule. Um, and he, it, I mean, the timing worked out well because he was born in January and I was able to have enough months before he was born. Like I said, where I completed all my hard rotations. Um, and so like, yeah, I guess I was just lucky that like I got pregnant at the right time and, um, it was, I was able to finish all that stuff. But obviously, 
not everyone can plan it that well, I guess. And did you have people on the residency or other friends in the same field that you could go to for advice and help on this thing? Did you have that kind of good base? Yeah, I mean, I would say like our program, there was definitely like people ahead of me or like I would see other girls who got who were pregnant like ahead of me and like I could see like oh she had a baby during her third year that seemed like a good time or like oh she had one second year like that seemed a little bit rough um so I remember like thinking about that um and then I didn't really talk to I, I guess I talked to like our chief residents but you never know what is if it's gonna take you a long time to get pregnant or what so I like I didn't want to talk about it too much because then what if I wasn't able to get pregnant and there was like a a mute point anyways um so I kind of just thought about it myself looking at people ahead of me um and I know like for people below me sometimes people would ask me like having gone through it like what year and I mean I would say like I honestly think third year was the best year to have a baby but I also think there's no perfect time to have a baby it's always going to be hard no matter what um in whatever profession you're in but especially in our profession like you have to also, like, if you want to have a baby and you're an intern, like, I mean, go for it. It's going to be hard. No question. It's going to be hard. But um, I think you also want to have a baby or maybe you want more than one baby. And we're probably already in our 30s. So go for it. What made you decide third year versus waiting till after residency? I I think I definitely knew I wanted more than one kid. Um, I how old was I at the time? I think I was third. I'm 30. I, I was like 31 maybe at the time. So, I mean, I was like, I know I want more than one. So just thinking ahead, um, I, I, I got to have, I have to have one soon. So I thought that like, I'm probably gonna have my first in residency and then a second one after that. And then who knows after that. I just say that's, <laughs> I, it makes me smile every time. Uh, any doctor friends I talk to, they all think about it in a very calculated way like this. So I, this is the end goal. Now we just work backwards by years and figure it out. But yeah. it's also amazing talking to you because you were able to do that and it worked. And we've definitely mm. talked to people who like, that was the plan, but then you got pregnant sooner or later than you were planning. And like you were aiming for third year, but ended up in second or like two years later. So it's yeah. wonderful that it, it did work out and you were able to do it when, when you were hoping. Yeah, definitely. I mean, also when I was a chief resident, we dealt with a lot of scheduling issues for sure. And there was definitely some residents who came to us saying like, they're thinking of getting pregnant. What do we recommend? And then, I mean, there was definitely a few cases where we're like, well, I mean, you're on a really hard rotation now. We would recommend probably not right now, but, <laughs> and then fast forward, like, it didn't work out. She couldn't get pregnant. And so, I mean, you have, you can only plan so much, you know? Yeah. Um, so like all of this stuff is really hard to do as a resident and a doctor really. Um, but like you are a doctor for the resident, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but how did you approach, uh, talking about this, uh, to your partner? Because obviously this is not, this is not a situation where it's a usual, set up an usual hour job um how did you go about briefing your partner about quite how intense what does your what does your husband do he's um a vice principal so he was a teacher for like many years and a vice principal so yeah so he's not in medicine I mean I guess 
we've been together for a long time. So he, we've been together like through all of medical school. So at least he saw, I think it would be hard if he just jumped into it, like Mm -hmm. not knowing the whole progress. Um, So I think, I mean, he was on board. He knew that intern year probably not. Um, And then I think it, because it did, the timing did work out for us so well, we never had to like deal with any major issues except for the fact that I was I worked the night before I delivered but um other than that like nothing major and in terms of childcare, we have in-laws that live nearby so they are able to help us too um so I mean definitely he sometimes I mean it our jobs are it is crazy um and sometimes he I think probably is like what this is ridiculous like how could you only get six weeks of maternity leave um but it's part of what we signed up for what um what did he think of you working before the night that you delivered like were you contracting were you like in labor no I was um my son was breech and so he Uh, was I was going to try for an external version the next day um at 37 weeks and then so but because my schedule I was on nights and it was really hard to fit like fit in a time to do the version and so the only time to do it was like this morning which was happened to be like I'm post-call um, so my husband met me at the hospital and we walked over to L and D. I delivered at the same hospital that I was working at. Um, and then the version, we knew it was a possibility that like, if anything happened, like I could potentially deliver that day, but I didn't actually think that was going to, the plan was hopefully that the version either worked or if it didn't work, I would be sent home and scheduled Schedule. for a C-section yeah. like in two weeks. Um, but it did not work. And, um, my baby was having like D cells. So they were like, we need to take you right now. So it that's what happened. So you just had like a stat C section yeah. when you were post-call. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like it was emotionally, maybe a lot. How did that I feel? Mean, I feel? Yeah. I mean, I felt like I, I think it was stressful for my husband not being in medicine for me. I mean, I go to deliveries, like I knew it was a possibility. Like it was like one of three options that could have happened. We packed our bags. Like I'm like, I'm very methodical, you know? So like in my mind, like, I, I mean, it was a stat C-section. It was scary, but like it was controlled. Um, and so I think it was like, it was fine. I mean, I was just tired, but you're also just kind of like in a shock of everything. So having that be your only prior delivery experience, how has this pregnancy been for you, especially now in your third trimester and kind of thinking forward, like you probably don't want to repeat that experience right? and emotionally kind of getting ready for delivery? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I like, because I'm intending, I was able to move some shifts around. I have this whole week now leading up to hope. I mean, I could go into labor, I guess, at any point, but hopefully the plan is next week. Um, So I have a few days to kind of like get some sleep and clean the house and pack up and be as prepared as you possibly can be. Whereas the first time around, I was not. (laughs) I say, I hope you don't go into labor right this second, but it also would be quite an impressive end to a podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) That would be. Um, with your son, did you pump or nurse him? How did yes, that work I did as both. a resident? Yeah, I did both. Um, so I, 
breastfed. And then when I went back, I, I started pumping. I mean, I was pumping when I was at home too, but then I was like starting to pump um, to try to build a supply. <clears throat> but I pretty much, um, I brought my pump stuff to work. I mean, like I said, because in pediatrics, everyone was totally fine with me. Like I, I made it very clear, like I need to leave now to go pump. Um, so, I mean, I tried to finish rounds or whatever, or like I pumped right when I got to work and then would round and then pumped right after work. Um, and then took multiple breaks throughout the day to pump. Um, and then when I was chief resident, it was really easy to pump because I had my own office and I had a great co-chief. And so I either pumped in the office or I went to, we had like plenty of call rooms and refrigerators and stuff like right on the pediatric floor. So I just pumped, um, all of chief year. And so, yeah, I breastfed and pumped for, uh, like 20 months. That's amazing. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Great. Mm -hmm. Did you ever find yourself in situations where like you really needed to take a break to pump, but things were busy, you were at deliveries, you were doing lots of things and you just like couldn't find time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, or like in the PICU, there was times like on a 24 hour call where I definitely went like many hours between pumps. Um, but I think also like if a patient is crashing, like I'm, I have to take care of the patient. It's my job, you know? And like, while people were very good about me pumping, I also had to like do my job. So I think overall I was able to pump every whatever, three, four hours when I was working. Um, but some of those 24 hour calls, I definitely went longer. Um, but then you just make up for it. I think overall it worked out pretty fine. Did you ever have a problem, especially with those longer calls of your supply dropping and needing to build it back up? Yeah. I mean, I definitely had supply issues my, the whole time. I don't know if that was just because of me or because of, um, my work, but, um, there was definitely times where like I came home and I was like, whoops, I didn't pump that much today. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and what did you do when, when you found that your supply was dropping and you knew you were going to need to build it back up? Would you like ask for more pump breaks or just try to, you know, stay more hydrated? I think I just tried to out? stay more hydrated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I tried to, I tried to pump, like I said, like every three or four hours. Um, but it just depended on the shift. Some shifts were totally fine. Some shifts weren't. Um, but chief year, it was no issue whatsoever. It was only when I was a resident was a little bit trickier. Um, but again, I was on easier rotation. So it was only when I was like cross covering in the PICU or, um, going to deliveries or work being a senior on the floor that it was like some of those busier services that it yeah. would get a little tricky. Um, but if I like, ver I, I, as long as I said, like, I have to go pump, people were pretty good as long as there wasn't, like I said, a patient crashing. Yeah. That's a really, it's really nice to be able to, ha to have a workspace you feel so comfortable and supported to be able to do that. That doesn't happen a lot. That's Definitely. Really lucky. How did your, um, how did your son do with, uh, with adapting between like swapping between bottles and uh, nursing and all that? How did that transition? He go? was fine. I think I introduced the bottle pretty early. He was, mm -hmm. He was little, so he was 37 weeks. Um, so I think like his initially his weight gain wasn't great. So I was like pumping, I was like breastfeeding and pumping and like triple feeding him like from early on. So he was kind of used to like bottles and breasts like early on. So I think when I went back to work and he had to take a bottle, it was fine. That's great. 
And when you went back to work, how did you guys set up childcare plans? Did he go straight into daycare? No, we were lucky. My mother-in-law watched him. Um, so I went back January, February, in March, I guess. And then my mother-in-law watched him um, most days. And then some days, like, I, I had, like, if I was on an elective, we had oftentimes, like, Fridays off. And so I would, work, I would be home on Fridays with him. Um, but anyway, she watched him. And then in the summertime, my husband had off cause he was a teacher. And so then he stayed home with him all summer long. And so my son didn't go to daycare until that fall, um, when my husband and I both went back to work. Um, so he was like eight months or so at that point. And you were already a chief at that point. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. That's great. Um, since starting working as an attending and having more of the longer shifts again, the night um, night calls and everything, how has childcare set up been? Have you been able to just continue with daycare? Has it worked with your husband's schedule? How's that been? Yeah. Before COVID, we were doing daycare, right. um, which was fine. So my he does daycare four days a week, and then my mother-in-law watches him one day a week. Um <clears throat> And then the only tricky time is when I am, like, if I work a night shift, um, I don't come home in time to make it. My husband has to leave before I come home. So we have, like, one or two hours in the morning um, where we need coverage. So either my mother-in-law would watch him um, and take him to daycare or, like, give him breakfast and hang out with him and whatever – or we, before COVID, we had a babysitter, um, like a near a local babysitter that would come by in the mornings that would give him breakfast, get him dressed and take him to daycare. Um, but then once COVID hit, he was out of daycare anyways. And my husband was fully remote. So we just kind of worked like my husband would be with him and then I would come home and then my husband had zoom meetings and I would be home, but it was hard cause I wasn't getting like any post-call sleep basically. So is he physically in daycare now or now he's back? Yep. He's back. Um, he, we sent him back in September and it's going well so far. They're taking like all the precautions. I mean, he's only two and a half. So he wears a mask like in and as much as possible, but and all the teachers wear masks. Um, so he's back to his normal schedule and he's almost in preschool. So he'll start preschool next month. It's the same like center. Um, but it's going good. He definitely missed it. He has friends. I think the socialization is good for him. Um, and we have, it's, they're being super strict. Like and if he has a runny nose, he can't go in, but that's amazing. And then what do you guys do if he can't? Cause I know that was a challenge we faced with daycare where he kept getting yeah. conjunctivitis and then he couldn't go in and we had to like work around our work schedules. What do you guys do when he's sick? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, basically it's our, my mother-in-law, she's a retired, um, elementary school principal, so she retired like the spring that I found out I was pregnant, that I was pregnant with him. Um, so the timing worked out really well and she's great and she lives 40 minutes away. Um, so she's happy to help. So usually, and this was even pre COVID or post COVID when he got sick, um, she was kind of our backup plan. That's amazing. This is yeah. another like really common theme, I think, because particularly even for us, like up, I couldn't have done any of this without any of our in-laws. Like, I know. this is incredible yeah. to have that 
family support. Yeah, we've definitely seen a recurring theme of like it's when when one of you is in medicine, it's really never just the two of you. There needs to be a bigger village. You have a team. <laughs> definitely, because our hours are not normal, and so yeah. we need a little bit of flexibility. Um, and so, yeah, my my in laws are great, and then my sister in law is a nurse, um, and she works in Boston, so she also doesn't work every day. Um, so if she has, she's like shift work. <clears throat> so if she's not working, she would be like our other backup person. Um, but yes, having in-laws has been super helpful. Um, it's in my, I mean, my husband's like, we should have a more steady babysitter. And I'm like, I get that, but we also have your mom who is so <laughs> great and is like so eager to help. So why not use her? It's a hard one though, isn't it? Because you, you do feel sometimes you start imposing a bit too often yeah, and, and even though they're really enjoying it and ask for all the time, you're also like, but you've done so much already. What do we do? <laughs> I know. And I, I mean, I would hate for them to get sick. So that's the biggest thing right now yeah. with COVID is um, I just, I mean, that would be bad. So, I mean, they're healthy, but still. Um, so, I mean, so far, knock on wood, like he's been fine. He has had a runny nose. Um, and he was out of daycare for like a week because he just, he was fine, but they couldn't, they wouldn't let him back. Yeah. Um, so we got like everyone COVID tested just to make sure. And then my mother-in-law was like good to watch him for a few days. That's really good. How did, um, that, this is a challenge we've discovered is, uh, getting your little ones COVID tested. How did, how did that experience go? <laughs> we had to it hold wasn't... one of ours down. Yeah. Oh, this, he, he was fine. Actually. We went good. to one of those, um, stop the spread sites yeah mm -hmm. um nearby our house and it was super quick we stayed in our car and it wasn't the deep one it was just the the, the like the yeah. nasal one yeah. Oh, yeah um and so we warned him before we said and we were all getting tested too just to like be sure and so we warned him um that it was going to tickle him and so he was and we were we like prepared him i think and so we went first and he saw us go and then he just stayed in his car seat and rolled down the window. I sat with him, um, but he was fine. He afterwards, he was like, that tickled. And he was fine. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a similar experience. Uh, our two-year-old, like, bossed it. Was, yeah, like, he totally was fine. Grand. He was just, like, giggling. But our four-year-old was having none of it. He did oh. not want something in his nose. <laughs> yeah. So the second time we had to do it, it was the whole bring bring uh candy and yeah we bribes, brought so many know? bribes oh, yeah. <laughs> to be oh, like yeah. all right as soon as you finish this you can have your lollipop you can anything you want but just Aww. sit still for the test um so this is an interesting uh, uh, thought i've had because one, one of the things I realize is uh, parents with crazy schedules um or not even just, just crazy just, just like abnormal, atypical yeah. um what when you are with uh your kid and what what do you enjoy doing and how do you make the most of that time you have with your with your son um when you're not working yeah i mean we try to do like try to do things not just stay in the house um so we're members of the zoo we're members of the museum the boston children's museum we're members of the aquarium which obviously put was put on hold during the pandemic but um we still like try to like go out and do fun adventures during the pandemic, we go to the playground a lot um, and just try to be outside as much as possible, but try not to just like sit around the house, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like the way that you, especially in pediatrics, do you feel like your practice of medicine has been affected by having your own kid? Do you feel like you're 
your practice, I mean, it's hard when you're in residency because of course your practice of medicine is changing all the time anyway, but do mm -hmm. you feel like there were any changes that happened after you had your own kid and your counseling or anything like that changed? Yeah, definitely. I think one, like breastfeeding, um, you don't get a lot of counseling about breastfeeding as a resident. Um, and so I think like going through it myself and having my own struggles and like knowing pumping and knowing like how difficult and emotional and hard it is and harder than you think it is at first. I think that has helped and talk to like new moms in particular or, or any, or second time moms, whatever about breastfeeding. So that has definitely changed. Um, and then I think just like being more empathetic or like understanding that I think I used to be annoyed as a resident, like for little things, like why would they bring their three-year-old in for constipation and like I think when you go through it yourself and you see how miserable the kid is and you're like oh this is so sad like you have a little more empathy yeah yeah that's totally fair um do you feel like there were any things that you as a doctor kind of struggled with during your own like with your own child or your own pregnancy trying to not doctor yourself and trying to like be the patient or be the mom and like separate those roles? Yeah, I think, so my son has asthma. Um, and so I think when like he was a baby, he definitely went through times where like, I'm like, should I be more concerned? Like, what would I do if I saw this kid in the ER? Um, but the pediatrician that I bring him to, I actually worked under when I was a resident. And so she's great. And so her big thing is like, don't try to doctor your own kids. Like if there's any concern, just call me. And like, I will tell you whether you should go to the emergency room or not. <clears throat> and then I think having my husband who is not medical is actually helpful. Cause I'd be like, does he look bad to you? Or is that just like, or does he not? Cause I tend to not think he, I'm like underplay it definitely. Cause I see a lot sicker, but that isn't, that's not always good. Um, so I think having my husband who's not medical helps. And if my husband's worried, Sometimes I, you shouldn't be worried, but sometimes I think it's just like another person to have second opinion on. And then for pregnancy, I would say I'm definitely, I see too much. Um, and so I'm like, I feel like I'm a nervous pregnant person. Um, not, I'm not that nervous of a mom, but I'm a nervous pregnant person. Um, just because I've seen a totally normal pregnancy or you see just crazy things that someone will say, tell you is so rare and it only happens 1% of the time, but I've seen it. So it is scary. How, how do you deal with that mentally to get yourself through it all? I mean, I, I, I tell my OB, I mean, she knows what I do. So she totally understands like her telling me like, oh, this one rare complication is fine. Like is actually not helpful because I've seen, I saw it twice last month or whatever it is, you know? So she's good. And she's like, what will support like whatever decision you make. Um, and then I think, I mean, I talked to my husband, but it's hard because he's not medical. So he will, he'll just be like, whatever, whatever I say, like, he's like, okay, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I find that is hard, though. We're kind of learning to do that better is, you know, having, having Alice not be as much of a doctor to the whole family, really. Yeah. But also being able to express what you're feeling but yeah. also in a way that the house understands like i'm concerned yeah. but also like i don't want to be the doctor dealing with this right now i'm telling right. you i'm concerned but a different doctor needs to handle the situation yeah exactly i think that's like a good takeaway is like 
we know, we know more than the average moms. Like we can call the pediatrician, but I still think you should always call the pediatrician and be like, eh, should I go to the emergency room? Yeah. It's a hard one to do, but, and I don't think we're ever going to get it perfect. But have, um, I have another question. Have you had any funny interactions between your son and your coworkers or co-residents? Like I know, for example, when my second baby was born, um, my entire intern class came and visited us. He was, he was hypoglycemic. So we were in special and they all came one at a time to visit us in the special care nursery. And every single one of my co-interns did a newborn exam on him because that was like the only way they know how to interact with a newborn is they're all like checking his fontanelle and checking his hips. And it was just hilarious to like see them all interact with this newborn baby. Who's like not their patient. Um, have you ever had any funny, funny, um, kind of interchanges between your son and your co like your colleagues um the only one he was also born where I was a resident so I had lots of visitors initially um but I don't remember anything from the newborn period but um afterwards like when he was like I don't know months like six months I don't know nine months something like that we were at my a friend like a co-resident's house who is married to a neurology who he was a neurology resident at the time and he was, he's like, doesn't do newborns or babies, but he was doing like Babinski reflex and like other like neuro things on him. Like I caught him like in, on the couch doing it. Doing it like neuro testing on your child. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, were there any strange places during your training or um, just during your early motherhood any strange places where you ended up pumping or breastfeeding your baby um I pumped not really I pumped um driving and like which I think a lot of people do um I remember I was once I was driving to New York to visit a friend um and I was pumping in the car and I had to like hook up in like a Dunkin Donuts parking lot um, so I'm sure people were like, what is going on? But, <laughs> but I don't know. That was probably the weirdest. I mean, I breastfed on the airplane, but that wasn't, that seemed just like normal to me. Yeah. Oh, I tell you something. The ability to breastfeed on an airplane is a blessing, I think. Oh, yes. I know. Oh, it was the best thing ever. When I finally weaned my son, we flew to California like a month after. And I was like, oh God, this is going to go badly <laughs> because breastfeeding is the easiest on the airplane. Yeah, the first our first trip with my son after he was weaned, it was like miserable because the whole part of that we would just nurse from like takeoff to landing. Same. And I then know. that first trip it was like how do we keep you from screaming? How do we keep you entertained? <laughs> how do we get you to actually eat anything because you wouldn't eat food? I know. Mass. Yeah, nursing on an airplane is like the way to go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um oh, All right. Um next next question. Did you ever consider adopting or did you always wanted to have biological kids when you were thinking of how to create your life as a mom and a doctor? Um, did you ever think, you know, it'll be easier if I just adopt kids or um, think, you know, I just really want to have my own biological children and will make this this whole thing work with my work schedule? How was I always thought I was going to have biological children. I mean, I'm not opposed to adopting I think I always thought like if I wasn't able to have my own biological children, like I would definitely adopt because I want children. Um, but I also wanted my own. Yeah. 
Um, and what did your, did your husband ever have any thoughts about it? I think he was on the same page. I think he wanted his own too, but if we weren't able to, then he would also be open to adoption. Cool. Um, and then did as, I guess this kind of already came up, um, or, okay. How do you feel that you've been able to balance or include in your life goals as a mom and also goals as a doctor and allow yourself to continue to grow professionally, but also have goals and aspirations of how to be the best mom you can be as well as the best doctor you can be? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always a constant balance. Um, like I definitely, I know myself and like, yes, I want to be present and be the best mom, but I also wouldn't be happy myself if I was a stay at home mom. Like my mom did it and I have all respect for stay at home moms, but I can't do that. Um, so I think finding a job um, where you can balance both is what I was looking for. And that is part of the reason why I want to do hospitalist. Um, and we'll see where it goes down the line. I mean, I do like clinical medicine. I also like like med ed and residency education and stuff. Um, so maybe like down the line, that would be like a future goal of mine is to be more involved in like pediatric residency um, and do more medical education. But I still would not give up my clinical shifts because um, I do enjoy like patient interactions and stuff like that. We've got this sort of like horrible societal stereotype um, about parenting and women, um, work, particularly working mothers, there's this horrible stigma against it. Um, have you had to deal with deal with this issue um, of like standing up for what you do within family or friends or close networks? Not really. I do feel like there's a stigma breastfeeding. I felt like a big like yes, I breastfed, but my son also received a few bottles of formula here and there when I came home with not as much milk from working a shift or whatever. Um, so I think there's a big stigma about like you have to pump, you have to breastfeed um, that. And I think like even as a pediatrician, like I try to like talk moms out of falling into that stigma. But then like when it happens to you, like you feel guilty. Like I definitely felt guilty when I had to give my son a bottle of formula instead of like a bottle of breast milk. Um, also daycare would make me feel guilty sometimes. Like if I, so I remember when I was still a resident, he was at daycare. It was like 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. was like the longest stretch you could go. And like I pushed that every single time. And they were like, why, like, why are you always here? Like right at five o'clock, like you work so much. And I'm like, can't help it. Um, so I definitely felt like a little bit of guilty around that, which definitely got better again when I was chief resident and now it's not an issue. Um, because while some days I work late, some days I'm totally off. So it's definitely easier down the road, but I definitely felt some like stigma and judgment, not from family members. My family never, I don't think ever I felt judge from that but like from outsiders maybe and so you're say, saying these cool things that you want to go on to potentially focus on in your in your work in the future um which obviously means you'll be someone sort of like fairly in charge of things um, and supporting <laughs> other people um how do you think the experiences you've had now uh, will help you with that and what changes might you make to be able to support new mothers in that situation in yeah sort of these and other i think different roles yeah, I think being a chief resident definitely was like the start of feeling like that. Like when residents would come to me for advice or trying to figure out their schedule, like I think going through it myself, like I have, 
I understand like their struggles and their frustrations. Um, and I think like our program director was great with like allowing me to basically milk my maternity leave for eight weeks when really I should have only gotten six weeks. Um, so I think little things like that, like really go forward. I mean, in the end of the day, residency is hard because it's still part of training. So while it's awful that like we have to be a mom and deal with these crazy hours at the end, like you also are training to be a doctor to take care of like a human being. So I get it also. Um, I mean, I don't think you should have, I think maternity leave should be a certain number of weeks. I mean, I've heard about programs being like crazy, like two weeks maternity yeah. leave, like surgical subspecialties, but which I think is awful. But I mean, it's also, it's hard because it's a job that it's a job, but it's also training, yeah. which I don't think exists anywhere else. Um, so I think being like a program director or even like just assistant program director or being involved in residency, like it is important to like recognize that, but also support people that are going through it. That's really interesting. Well, we're kind of wrapping up to the last couple of questions. Yeah. Um, Oh, I had a question going off of what you just said, and I've oh, go on. what it was. Aww. Oh, um, it's about being a re- resident. See, this is what happens. See, as a parent, you have you're sleep deprived, and you oh, yeah. it goes I in one ear or out the other ear. <laughs> Whatever it was that I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> uh, send oh, your emails you? in and ask us. <laughs> um, did you did you ever feel like you were treated differently as a resident or as a doctor because? you were a mom or because you were pregnant and like you were not given the same level of responsibility or you were kind of looked down on or, or treated badly. I think, um, one time I do remember, um, a nurse once told me, I think I was talking about my son and a nurse was like, wow, like I, you don't seem like the motherly type. Like I would never oh, think that oh, you're a mom. And I was like, so oh, offended. Oh <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like that's an awful thing to say. And I don't, I still don't know exactly what she meant by that. But um, yeah, I felt like I was treated badly because I was not a mom, yeah. but I was, but she didn't yeah. think I was. Um, I think in pediatrics, some of the older, sometimes older, more experienced nurses think that they know better because they are a mom so I think having a child in pediatrics actually benefits you yeah um and then being pregnant I never felt I never felt like treated differently I think if I was a medical student going through other rotations and I was pregnant maybe I would have um but I was lucky enough that I was pregnant again like I was already on pediatrics I was a third year everyone knew who I was like I don't think I was treated any differently because of that and did you I I know this is something we talked about um with a couple of the other folks that came up as a pregnant resident um did you ever have to like get call in back up or get help because you needed to change your schedule you needed to make your OB appointments you had to schedule your version or anything like that did you ever feel like you were using up your kind of goodwill or like guilty over asking for help? No, I mean, I was lucky that I didn't have any complications except for the fact that he was breech. Um, so my version, when I scheduled that, I remember my OB was like, do not work that 
night, like the night after your version in case anything happens. Um, and so I had one of my, I mean, we had a close residency. So like I had already planned on having someone cover me for the night after my version. Um, and then for OB appointments, I just kind of worked around my schedule. Like if, and I was lucky to, I mean, it's easy to do it if it's in the hospital that you're working right. at. So yeah. like, even if I was like in the outpatient clinic, I would like run to L and D or run to OB, have my appointment and then run back. And then go back. Um, so that felt fine. Yeah. I never, I don't think I ever like, I don't think so. I think it all like worked out, but again, I didn't have complications. I think it would yeah. be different. Um, if you had like were a you, lot of things, were you scheduled to keep working after your version and had to change that schedule? Only for, I had like three more night shifts of okay. my, like my last night of not last lot. stretch of nights. Um, so I did need to get coverage for those three nights. And then I, I just paid them back like after maternity leave. Right. I do. I do think what you were saying there about having your, if you're feeling comfortable to do it, having your, your care at the same place you work I feel like it gave yeah. you a lot more flexibility to be able to definitely yeah, have, yeah. have you have so you many to. appointments that it's like I can't imagine doing it at a different place but I also understand why people want to do it but like yeah. in terms of privacy I mean I never felt like I wasn't private like I always felt totally comfortable um so I really would recommend doing it at yeah. the same place that you work um but yeah I wish, I wish that I had been able to, I, because my, I changed from being a med student to a resident halfway mm. through pregnancy. Yeah. I, I never was able to, unless I had changed, I could have changed my OB care halfway through the residency. I mean, halfway through the pregnancy, but I didn't yeah, yeah, want yeah. to, I wanted to stay with those same providers, which meant that I started a job in Lawrence, but I was driving to Arlington, which right. was like, Especially in the snow, like that can be a long drive. Yeah. And I'm like, 45 minute hour journey. Oh my journey. goodness. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. And I like, I mean, I guess would, it also depends where you uh, live. So I live closer to where I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's different preferences, but I yeah. definitely really liked sure. being at the same place that I was working. Yeah. Oh, that sounds lovely. Okay. Um, just a couple wrap up questions. The first one is, one piece of advice that you would give to young women who are thinking of pursuing a career in medicine, who also want to be a mom. I mean, I think I said it before. I think there's no perfect time to have a baby. So like you can plan it as much as you can, but then nature has to take its course too. So like if you really want to have a baby during intern year, um, I mean, talk to your people, but I think no, like you, no one's going to tell you not to. Um, so like do what's best for you and your family and your spouse. Um, cause there, there literally is no perfect time. Like you're always going to be tired. You're always gonna be stressed. I mean, you just kind of make it work. Thanks. All right. And then, um, one thing that listeners can do once a day to make themselves 1% stronger, either physically, emotionally, academically, socially, anything within medicine. Wow. That's hard. Um, I mean, I would say like, take time for yourself. Like even as a mom, a new mom, um, I do think it's so important to like, I remember my husband the first time was like, go get your nails done. Like, <laughs> you know, like you just go take an hour. And, and I was like, so stressed. Cause I was like, I have to pump. And like, what if the baby wakes up crying? He's going to need a bottle. And it's like, my husband was like, just go. Like, it doesn't matter. We will be fine. So I think like 
taking time for yourself, like, even if it's for an hour, like doing stuff that makes you feel normal, you know, or like getting your hair cut or whatever it is to make you feel like you're not sleep deprived and like you are a real person and you showered that day. (laughs) (laughs) That is such good advice. That's been, I, I'm remembering back to like the early newborn days, like those were the things I needed to hear. Exactly. Well, and showering. I still forget the shower showering. Showering. Yeah, that's... I know. <laughs> and bathing the children. We've discovered, <laughs> we were talking this morning about how our kids bathe so much less during the pandemic than they Same. ever used to. Yeah. And I was like, huh, when was, like, I think it might have been a week since we bathed oh, the kids. Oh, I was so thinking bad. that today. I was like, I looked at my son's hair and there's like something sticky in it. And I'm like, <laughs> probably time for a, sh- a bath. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, when did I get, I mean, it's definitely been a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when he was little, I used to, it was part of like our nightly routine. Yeah. And it's now the same. it's just like, now it's not. <laughs> well, especially when I was pregnant with our second, it was part of our routine because that was the only way I could brush my own teeth in the evening is that yeah. I would put the toddler in the bath. And then he would play in the bubbles and I could actually like brush my teeth or brush my hair or whatever. And now that they're both toddlers, like we brush, we put them to bed and then get ready for bed ourselves. So now there's just like, there's no, no, no scheduled bath time anymore. I know. I know. (laughs) That's so bad. Uh, Well, on that sort of rather stinky note, um, (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really interesting conversation. Did you have anything else that you wanted to make sure you add? Bits that you wanted to make sure are included in the conversation? I don't think so. I think you guys covered all of it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. This was wonderful. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a wonderful way to finish a podcast interview. I think it was quite fun just to finish talking about stinky children. <laughs> yes, and still a little less appropriate this week. The kids have gotten really into having baths and blowing bubbles, which means we do a lot more baths, which is wonderful. It is quite nice. Uh, I find myself having less time to do it now because of the time I would have, uh, we're doing it with the children now. So, Well, yes. So we're stinky, but at least the kids are a little less stinky. Actually, Olivia turned around to me today. She walked past me <laughs> and said... And he, she stopped walking past me and then stopped, turned around and looked at me and went, Papa, have you had a shower? It smells like you need a shower. <laughs> <laughs> this morning I had um, Felix on the potty and he doesn't like showers. So he turns to me and he says, Mama, shower? And I said, yes, Mama's going to take a shower. And he said, no, Felix, no shower. Papa, shower? Papa, stinky. Papa, stinky. <laughs> Oh, so there's a general consensus in this house that I'm stinky. (laughs) Well, that's really good to know. It's their own fault, so it's okay. It was also really interesting in this interview um, uh, to listen to about the balance of what it's like to have a pregnancy in uh, residency versus uh, being an attending. Because I thought, like just in my mind that just have having kids in uh once you're an attending would just be so much easier but there's just because you have more control and you're not working crazy crazy hours a week if you can help it but actually like what she was saying about the the weight of responsibility is completely different yeah you don't have the backup systems and the support in place it's the same as having a child in medical school is hard but you have so much support having a child in residency also you just have there's 
the whole system is built for you to succeed versus when you're attending, you're just working. There's no system to create a good you. It's just you doing your job. Yeah, that was really, really interesting. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for such a yeah, lovely thank interview. You. And that interview was sort of much earlier on in our interview period when we first started recording interviews. So it was quite fun to revisit that because we don't remember that one quite as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank um, you. And as always, you are all more than welcome to get in contact. And thank you all so much for all your lovely words of the podcast last week. It was really lovely to read those messages. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's nice. We're just seeing the numbers tick up and up on all the podcasts, which is really lovely. And we've got people listening around the world, which is very cool as well. Very, very surreal to think about. But we're mostly excited that all of you are listening and giving us your feedback. Send us your questions, comments and concerns. I learned how to say that properly in Spanish, by the way, today. I oh. realized that I had been saying... Um, Oh, I'd been saying it just a silly word. It, I mean, not a silly word, just not quite the right colloquial word um, for concerns. When I was, I always ask my patients at the end, any questions or concerns like to add on? And um, one of the MAs was translating for one of the attendings and he asked the same thing at the end of visit and she translated it. And I was like, oh, that's what I was supposed to be saying this whole time. <laughs> Interesting that now it's like three years of working in a Latino speaking um, health center and i'm only just you know you learn something new every day it's fine all right so can you ask people to uh contact us uh, if they have any joys or concerns or sorrows or what was it what did you say <laughs> I, just, I can't i can't even say it in english now so this alex is telling you well. what we say at quicker meeting <laughs> so we're gonna take that as our wrap-up point reach well, out to us on all the socials with your comments questions and concerns which you can find in the description or at dr mama podcast and you can also get us on email which is dr mama podcast at gmail.com and uh yeah do share this with anyone you feel might find it interesting useful or entertaining and uh we'll see you again next week yay take care bye bye the Dr. Mama podcast is presented by Alice Kaufman and produced, mixed, and edited by Alex Cumming, who also provided the original music. 